0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people.
1: April 9, 1906. Eight men gathered to pray when suddenly, and I quote, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, They were knocked from their chairs and fell to the floor. News of this visceral experience spread throughout the country they were in. And crowds started to gather to have a similar experience. And what has come to be known as the Azusa Street Revival was born. This is a historic series of church meetings that founded the Pentecostal movement. What is the Pentecostal movement? Well, that includes churches like Hope You See down the road, Bethel, Hillsong, and even the largest church in the world in South Korea with 830,000 members in, in one building. They have multiple services in stadiums in South Korea. So a pretty big movement. And it was all sparked by this Azusa Street revival. Journalists describe it as follows. They describe the people who attended this religious sect as follows. They cry and make howling noises all day and into the night. They run, jump, shake all over. They spin around in circles. They fall on the sore, dust, blanketed floor, jerking, kicking, and rolling. They appear mentally deranged. They claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to be in for a uh, service like that. So Lock those doors and let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit can work in this way and maybe Pentecostalism has been part of your heritage. I attended a Pentecostal church for seven years and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I have, as I said, I have no doubt the Holy Spirit can work like this, but I wonder if this is the exception rather than the norm. We are told many uh, what can be, seem like fantastical stories of the Holy Spirit, you know, different things, dream interpretations, massive healings, uh, blind people. And I have no doubt these things can all happen. It can even be subtly. Often a preacher will get up. I, I find it with young guest speakers. They'll often get up and say something along the lines of, well, the Holy Spirit woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and, boy, have I got a word for you. And I have no doubt the Holy Spirit can wake up people at two o'clock in the morning but maybe you're sitting in the room and you say why hasn't the Holy Spirit ever woken me up at two o'clock in the morning or maybe hear stories of revivals and church meetings where people do fall over and and you hear of people's healings and you hear of all different things and you hear these stories and I have no doubt God can work like that but what if you're sitting in the room and you're saying I haven't seen God work like that it seems that all these other people are experiencing the Holy Spirit. All these other people are having, having moments and, and, and all these other people, but why isn't it happening to me? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I hear the Spirit like the pastor? Why can't I feel the Spirit like in Azusa? I'm here today to preach to those of you who might have those questions. I worry that sometimes we can set such a high bar for the Holy Spirit that it almost feels impossible to reach it. Today, because it is a preacher's choice, I'm going to speak from 1 Kings. Kings are my favorite books to preach from because I think uh, when the the stories within the Old Testament, Jewish rabbis have many different theories, but we get to look at them from a Christological perspective or with the perspective of our Christian faith, and I absolutely love that. And this sermon is not necessarily going to be exegetical or conceptual, it's going to be theological, and I'm going to be talking about not what the Holy Spirit is, but who the Holy Spirit is, because He does move in however he wishes the book of john tells us that holy spirit's like the wind you can't tell where it's coming from you can't tell where it's going it moves how it wants to move sometimes it doesn't azooze the street sometimes it does something different so i want to talk about the who of the holy spirit and how we might experience him so i'm going to read from 1 kings 19 and i'm going to put it on the screens but it is fairly small text from some some context here Elijah has just had the massive uh, uh, encounter with the prophets of Baal and uh, that's the story where there's the two altars and the prophets of Baal are saying you know we can call down fire from heaven and Elijah's like no I can call down fire from heaven and they set up the two different altars and they have a competition between gods and so the the Baal uh, altar they call down ah, fire, fire 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 and the fire and it just doesn't nothing happens And then Elijah says, I am going to do one better. And he covers it with water. And he says, even if I cover my altar with water, I can call down fire from heaven. He calls it down the fire. And everyone's amazed. And you would think this would be a great victory for Elijah and a great victory for God. But sadly, they all turn against him. And essentially, they plot to kill him. And it doesn't have the desired effect. And so Elijah gets very upset. In fact, he enters a deep depression. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had a victory with God and then immediately after entered a deep depression. In fact, he decides he's in fear. He decides to run away because people are trying to kill him and he decides to run away. And he even asks God, he essentially says, God, kill me, end my life. I'm done with this. No one's turning back to you. I'm done with this. I'm so down. I've just had a massive victory and no one cares. And he's down in the dumps. God, kill me, end my life. He ends up, and God sustains him for 40 days in the wilderness, he ends up in a cave, and it says this, there he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. I'm the only prophet left. I'm the only one who's, who's speaking for you left. And they seek my life to take it away. Don't know if you've ever had a conversation like that with God. And he's, God said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And God was in the low whisper. And at this moment, Elijah is given purpose in fact, one of the things that God tells him to do in this moment is go and anoint his replacement, Elisha. A very significant event. And then God says, Mate, not everyone's turned around to me. There's about 7,000 out there that believe in me. But God was in the low whisper. I'm reading from the ESV, or the uh, or the low whisper, yeah, it says low whisper in the ESV. It says different things in different translations. But in the footnote of my Bible, it says this, 1 Kings nineteen twelve, or a sound, a thin silence. And the footnote says a, th- a sound or a thin silence because the word, uh, the word like low is actually the word silent in the Hebrew, but it's sort of like an oxymoron. So it's like, how can you have a silent voice? Like it's an oxymoron. So they translate silent voice into whisper, but it's almost as if to say, even in dead silence, silence that is deafening, the Holy Spirit can speak to us. The Spirit speaks in the silence. And so I'm here to talk about how, yes, God can speak through the wind, but not in this scenario. And God can speak through the earthquakes and the fire. I mean, in the New Testament, we, you know the tongues of fire that come at the day of Pentecost. God can obviously speak through fire, but not in this scenario. In this scenario, at Elijah's lowest, God speaks in the silence. And there's potentially people in this room who feel like God is silent or you feel like you're trapped in silence And I'm here to say God speaks, the spirit speaks in the silence. I wonder what silence you are facing. I wanna make some points here because often our services aren't very silent. So I wanna make some quick points about what the spirit is not just. The spirit is not just, the spirit does not just speak through and I've got a very few quick points. The spirit is not just for special people. I have no doubt that sometimes the Spirit can wake preachers up or our elders or anyone up in the church at 2 a.m. and give them a word. But as I said, maybe you don't feel that. And it can cause, especially I think, young adults and teenagers to sit in the room and go, well, the
0: Spirit, what,
1: what, the Spirit doesn't speak to me. The Spirit, what, how, come, how come the Spirit wakes Lewis up at two o'clock but the Spirit never wakes me up at two o'clock? It's unfair, is the Spirit just for special people? Gosh, no. <laughs> And if i've ever woken up at 2am it's because i'm anxious about the sermon the next morning and i think i need to rewrite it <laughs> because i don't think what i've got is good enough not necessarily the spirit but i know that the spirit does wake some bridges up at 2am I've, I've heard people like craig say that um, but the spirit doesn't just speak to the spiritual elite or the special people 1 timothy 5 is a foundational verse for something. We talked a little about Pentecostal history. Let's talk about Baptist history. One of our distinctives is the priesthood of all believers. And uh, oftentimes we set up our churches that it almost doesn't seem like that. But one of our distinctives, one of the founding, like one of the important parts of being a Baptist is that we believe in the priesthood of all believers. 1 Timothy 2.5 talks about how Jesus is the one mediator between us and God. Uh, we don't need a priest anymore, as in we don't need to go, like the Catholics have a confession box. And if you want to get right with God, you go to the confession box. And you, yeah, he's the mediator between you and God. But we don't need that. Baptists believe we don't need that. We believe that each of you has a right to go to God as much as I, a pastor, have a right to go to God. And that's why we do things like voting because each of you can discern yourselves. You don't need us to tell you what to do. So we do things like church votes to make sure that everyone has a voice because it's the priesthood of all believers. It's very important in our Baptist church. And I think that's important because I need you to know no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how much theological degree you have, you can hear from the Spirit. The Spirit is not just for the special people. If you're not being woken up at 2 a.m., that's just because that's not how the Spirit is choosing to speak to you. He can speak in different ways. Uh, I talked about this at BAM camp. I often use this table, and I prefer the table to the traditional pulpit and I'm a very particular person I I like things a certain way and so I really like preaching from a table and the reason I like preaching from the table is because the church I grew up in had two pulpits a big wooden pulpit on one side of the church and a big wooden pulpit on the other side of the church and the pastor the pastor in the church I grew up in, he was the only one who was allowed to speak on the pulpit from this side of the church. It was a special pulpit. And all the people who were reading the Bible verses had to speak from the other pulpit and it was—it was as if the pulpit was a special thing. It was as if it was as if the people, spe- the person speaking from a normal everyday pulpit, it's like they, they're the expert. They're coming to give a TED talk or a lecture, and you're forced to listen. There's no conversation, and they put their Bible on the pulpit, and, and I'm going to tell you because I'm the expert. So, me being a postmodernist, and that means I have a distaste for authority. <laughs> wanted to get a wanted to get a table out. Because I believe I'm no, conversations happen around a table. I'm not an expert, I don't have all the answers. Johnny reads a lot more books than I do. If you want an expert on theology, go to Johnny. But really, I just want to have a conversation, I just want to be real, I want to be a bit more casual. I don't need a pulpit, I don't need a stand. Now, I'm not judging the pastors that use one, they're very handy for holding books. Um, (laughs) This table can be very inconvenient. But it's just one of these things that I try to do to break barriers as a youth and young adults, you know, person who's got those things under my job description. It's not just for special people. And it's not just for the spiritual elite who have it all together. Elijah was at his lowest when God chose to speak to him through a whisper. You don't need to be... Mm. Number two, the spirit is not just for special places. The spirit doesn't just speak at special events, prayer meetings, revival events, church services. Elijah was alone didn't have anyone else around. Mm. I saw an Instagram post from a church I follow this week, and they were about to have a let's call it a let's call it a prayer meeting revival meeting and the Instagram post as I scrolled through it was like. At this event, we're believing for financial breakthrough and miracle healings. I've <laughs> Holy Spirit speaking over there. <laughs> now I have no doubt that God can help us with our finances, and I have no doubt that God can heal. But the spirit's not just for special places. And the spirit doesn't just give financial benefit and healing benefit. Sometimes the spirit works in the silence. Sometimes the spirit works in the silence when we're in pain and we want to end it all. And there's no finances or healing that can even fix that. So i really wanted to message the church and say can't you put up another slide that says we're believing that you know god will have his way or his will or just people will be saved in our community anyway elijah was alone the spirit is for anyone anywhere so why do we fail to recognize it You know, psychology talks about something called inattentional blindness, where it's we fail to see something because we don't expect to see it. (laughs) There was a story about a man who worked as a janitor at a stadium in America. And as a janitor, he had a key to all the different rooms. And he noticed that one room no one ever went in. So he went into the room one day and it was massive. And he thought, I'm going to turn this into an apartment. And so he put a couch in there, he put a fridge in there, he converted the kitchen and then he just put a wall of cardboard boxes up right in front of the door just in case anyone ever opened that door one day. And for years and years and years, (laughs) this man lived in the stadium and no one ever saw him (laughs) because whenever they saw the janitor, they just thought, well, there's the janitor. If they just peered behind the door, looked behind the boxes, they'd see a whole apartment in that place. But it's inattentional blindness. We fail to see something when we don't expect to see it. It would be like if you saw a unicorn in the wild. Maybe you would just think it's a white horse that a kid has dropped an ice cream cone on. Inattentional blindness is also like if I was if I stood here by now and I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this but I have these moments all the time. If I, was, if, I, if I walked over here and preached my sermon for a little bit then I walked back to my thing and I was like, where's my clicker? Where's my clicker? Where's my clicker so I can change the slide? Where's my, oh, it's right in front of me. It's a bit of inattentional. Vi- I wonder if sometimes the Spirit is right in front of our eyes and in its obviousness We miss it. If it's in the silent moments, how easy could it be to miss? I was thinking about this idiom. Can any of you see the forest? Can any of you see the forest? Where is it? I really wish I could see the forest, but all the trees are in the way. Well, I, if those trees just got out of the way, I think I'd be able to see the forest. I just can't. There's like there's, a, there's a heaps of trees, but I just can't. I just can't see the forest. Have you heard this term? Can't see the forest for the trees. So you know because you're so ingrained in the you can't see the big picture i wonder if this is why sometimes we fail to see what the holy spirit is doing because sometimes the spirit's in the silence in the stillness can you see the spirit moving Or is it just a bunch of rowdy youth that we've wasted a lot of money on for BAM camp? (laughs) Having too much fun. Can you see the spirit moving? (laughs) Six of the baptism testimonies referenced BAM camp. Can you see the spirit moving? normal church service a female guest speaker or does it just look you know maybe you can't see the spirit for the service um, in Isaiah 55 11, it talks about how the Word of God never returns void when it's spoken I believe any church service where the Word of God is spoken the Spirit is speaking can you see the Spirit moving? Our hospitality team handing out some soup. 1 Peter 4, 9 to 10. Oh, I think I saved that Bible verse. It says this about hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 9 to 10. Show hospitality one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Can you see the spirit moving? Or do you just see bread rolls, soup, and a volunteer? Can you see the spirit moving? This photo's a stretch, but I'm gonna call this our Connect Group photo. (laughs) Sort of looks like people gathered around a table. Can you see the spirit moving? A bunch of people gathered on a weeknight. Well, God says, where two or three are gathered, I'm there in their midst. Can you see the spirit moving? Or do you just see an old book? <laughs> one Peter. Oh, two Peter, one, 20 to 21 says this. One, two, Peter, one, 20. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Probably referring mostly to the Old Testament, yet nonetheless, I believe the Bible as a whole. If, you've, if, you, if, you're, if you wake up in the silence one morning or you're lying on your bed in the silence one morning and you're wondering, why won't the Holy Spirit speak to me? Why, how come I can't hear the words of the Spirit? Why won't the Spirit? How come... And you're just sitting there in the silence. Maybe you've had a rough day with the kids or maybe you wake up really early in the morning um, and it's it's still and it's silent. You're just thinking, why didn't God wake me up at two o'clock last night? How do I hear the Spirit moving? The very simple thing is you can pick up this book. I'm not saying it's the only way the Spirit speaks, but every single one of these words is inspired by the Holy Spirit and is the Spirit's voice. That's very simple. You don't need to be woken up at two o'clock in the morning when you can just open your Bible. Maybe that's why God has to wake up the preachers at two o'clock in the morning because we're too stubborn just to do what it says half the time. (laughs) Can you see the Spirit moving? It's a photo from our Ukraine flyer there. Or maybe the truck and the people and the goods are in the way. Can you see the Spirit moving? Can you hear what He might be saying to you in the silence? I wonder what the Spirit is saying to them in the silence before the gunfire and the bombs fall. Some of us can't see. Some of us can't see. The forest for the trees. And all I'm encouraging us to do this morning is to know that you don't have to experience the fire, although God can move in the fire. And you don't have to experience the earth quaking, electric shocking, falling off the chair, spinning around in circles. The Spirit can move in the silence. Dean, can you help me with the camera for a sec? I grew up in a old school church. I, 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 until I moved here to the Central Coast where I spent seven years in a Pentecostal church, I never heard one sermon on the Holy Spirit. Not one. They were silent about it. Not one sermon on the Holy Spirit not one and so I'd sit in church and not one sermon on the holy, I'd sit in church and I was a sort of church where the worship wasn't, you know, we didn't have amazing worship leaders like Kaz, we didn't have nothing, the organist sat at the back of the room And there was no there was no Holy Spirit fire or talk of tongues or talk of healings or talk of nothing. But little Lewis is sitting in the Lutheran church. And I believe that a young Lewis heard the Holy Spirit just as much as any one of you with your fancy worship leaders and your prayer meetings and your Holy Spirit sermon series. Because the Holy Spirit can speak in the silence, and boy was that church silent. And I had, to, I had to make do with whatever I had. So I, I, learnt, I learnt the guitar. Andy, would you help me for a sec? There's a guitar back here next to, the, next to, next to that little table. Could you bring it to me? And, 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 and the Lewis learnt guitar. I was very bad, just, you know, strummed a few chords here and there. And I used to go find places in the Silence. And I used to go find places in the silence. I'd go up to a, a hill that was looked over one of the Baptist churches or I'd hide in a closet or I'd do whatever and I'd sing and I'd worship. And, and um, even in my Lutheran church, in the silence, thank you, Andy, in the silence, I would sit and, um, and I would worship. And one time the pastor said, oh, you have a guitar. Why don't you sing us a song? And everyone just sat in silence. No one sang along with me was weird they just sat in the silence you know I'm the kind I'm the kind of person when I, when I like I'm talking you know church and PMs and whatever it's like oh I love it when the church sings and everyone's you know singing at the top of their lungs and you can even stop the instruments and everyone sings and I love the noise and I love the I love the move and I love the lights and I love all the I love the fire and I love the wind but in my Lutheran church they just sit in silence In fact, the pastor would tell him, everyone just close your eyes, Lewis is going to play a song. I'd sit in silence. But I had to learn. How can I I experience the Holy Spirit? I never had to be taught it because the Holy Spirit sets a seal upon everyone that believes in Christ. And he speaks to everyone that believes in Christ. If you're a Christian, it's because the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. I don't know if the sound will come I don't know if the sound will will come along the the thing but so if you're watching from home I apologize you may be able to hear a little bit of this but maybe not well we hardly need the mic but let's see what happens you can hold it back there it'll, it'll catch a bit of it so shall we sit in silence would you all close your eyes and would we be silent and I'll show you what I used to do when I was a 15 year old I pray that you learn that God can speak to you in the silence. Whether you're alone at your lowest, like Elijah, or whether you are on the mountaintop, although God can speak through the fire and the wind. If you're in our church and you're, you feel like, why doesn't the Spirit speak to me? I encourage you, see the forest